0: Well, thank you, Philip, for coming together. Um, First, we will apologise for not being consistent with our promises um, of the podcast that we started um, last year. Um, We found it difficult, really, with the diversity of days and challenges of things. So we have felt it, um, the sacrifice of the Tuesday evening service, which has been institutional here at St. Nectarios, that we use this opportunity to um, reflect and and record what our reflections are in, in a spiritual way. Um, and hopefully for those that could not be here could benefit by hearing these recordings. Um, we have decided that and agreed that we will be doing a series of talks and on, on different subjects, but with the same um, root and, and tree trunk with different branches. And this is what it is to be Christian, the identity of Christianity. Um, we will be starting today and hopefully going to the beginning of the summer, which will probably be in the month of June, which we will finish. We will go through Easter, and in Easter, we will use that as a celebration. We felt that the relationship between Christianity and the church is what we're focusing on as our scriptural evidence and good foundations to build our human identity, which is our godlike nature. So we're kind of really saying. Why do we have the feasts that we have in the church? Um, as they seem to be every year, and we seem to celebrate them differently because of our age and our attitude, but they have a very severe message to tell us. So the first um, lesson, the first kind of discussion that we're having today is on the feast of Christmas. Why do we celebrate Christmas? as the only feast of the church was Pentecost. The church did not even feast or celebrate Easter. They lived Easter every liturgy, but the only service that the church had was Pentecost. They didn't have Christmas, they didn't have the entrance of the Virgin Mary, the Dormation, they did not even have um, these feasts, even of Annunciation or any of those feasts. All they had was Pentecost. Because all the feasts themselves are in, East in the liturgy itself and this is why we will focus on the liturgy as well. Um, so we don't need to introduce you Philip because obviously you're known now on our social media. Um, so my question really for the church would be why did God create humans? I mean, why did he create humans?
1: Well, when I look towards the Orthodox Church, I always refer to two fathers first: uh, Saint Basil and Saint John. And they both mention the same part of Scripture to explain why do, you, why was create, why did creation even happen, and why particularly did he create humans? So they both make reference to the part of the Bible where it says, let us make man in our image. Now that's the first time that we hear anything like that. It says, let there be light um, and let there be all the other things. But when it's talking about humanity, it says, let us make man in our image that refers, well that suggests that there was some kind of conversation or communication or some kind of thought regarding creation. Whereas where it says let there be light, it just means let it happen. Okay, so in other words, humanity has a link, a direct link with the Trinity. That's also where why it says, "Let us let us make man in our image." It's all referenced with the Trinity. So I would say that Saint Basil's understanding also goes a bit further. He says that God fashioned humanity, their body, so fashioned the body; however, He created the soul. So it makes a difference between the two. He said. The body was created out of clay, but the soul was created as a link towards God. So humans and God have a very special connection between the two. And the fathers, so Saint Gregory the theologian, he even says that creation came about because of God's overflowing love. So the fact that the Trinity existed before everything and there was this love between even the trinity itself because there was so much love there was almost a creation extended from that like a fountain so from god's love came the creation of the world and then the pinnacle the final point of the creation of the world ended with humanity
0: okay because it's still challenging to me, because he kind of set us up, really. It's a very painful world to live in. Um, he had all his angels. He had the archangels. He had worship and glorification unceasingly. Um, it's still challenging to think, why humanity? Why why create man? And then he, from man he created woman. Um, it seems that God was testing. It's like he's planning, you know, he's trying, trial and error. That's how it can seem. It can seem that way. Obviously, within the church kind of structure, we kind of obviously structure it. But now when you mentioned Gregory the theologian and love, it all makes sense. Because without love, it's just idolised. It's just God showing off. Honestly, it's just God showing off. It's just saying, look at the power I have. I can do this and I can do that. Even now, with all the things, we say to people that come here or we come across, don't worry, life's not unbearable because God doesn't allow temptation to tempt you beyond your bearability. And we get this from Job. We say, look what happened to Job. As long as you have a strong faith, you will overcome everything. But it's quite difficult for people that are suffering to have in mind... Obviously, um, this grace that was given to them. Because why humanity? He created everything so perfect. If anything, he would say that man showed his vulnerability, you know, by being able to be tempted. But when you said love, and created out of love, and he made Eve equal to man, Adam, then he created something... In the pinnacle of his creation, that was equal to God. That's really powerful love. When God creates something equal to himself in Trinity, equal in the image, in the power, in the connection, it is a very powerful image to be human. To be human <laughs> means a very big thing. You are the best thing that this world has ever received. Any humans to the world is the best thing that the world has ever seen and i think it's important that hopefully by the end of these talks that we realize and have respect for that because i think this is what we've lost i think we've lost what it means to be human Um, i don't really like the phrase we use sometimes the thing that says when you're talking to people and they say and they feel they've made a few mistakes, and they will say, yeah, but I'm only human, but that is a a very scandalous, I would say, a blaspheme, which when God says it's unforgivable to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, because we we have that within us, this is the breath and the life that we have in us, so is the Holy Spirit. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is disrespecting our humanity, our created, image so um, it's nice that even the fathers don't always say the same thing
1: yeah I mean on that note uh, Saint Athanasius you've pretty much examined exactly what he was saying because he says that God became human so that humans can become God in a really direct way where Saint Athanasius he was saying that humanity was called to be literally a part of God, swallowed up by God's love. I mean, when we think of Holy Communion, for mm. example, we think that we are taking God within us, but in reality it's us stepping into God. And that kind of relationship with between humanity and God is almost done as like you're saying, equality, we are equal in a sense. I mean, that's what St. Basil is saying. He's saying when, when um, it says, let us make man in our image, God is thinking about creating us. He's actually deciding and communicating with himself to create humanity, which shows a special kind of place we have in creation.
0: Obviously God had a providence, maybe he realised, you know, the fall of Satan, he would have realised that maybe the, the power that Satan would have had as freedom on this part of his creation, so obviously today we're not going to be tackling the idea where was the Garden of Eden heaven or not. Um, That's got challenges in itself, because if the Garden of Eden was heaven, for example, um, how comes the devil could tempt Adam and Eve if there's no temptation in heaven? So maybe the Garden of Eden was earth itself, we could say, you know, because this is where God saw Satan fall to, saw him fall, he said. And maybe this was, um, Adam was there to eventually be the seed of salvation for the new Adam from Christ. So Christmas then. Mm. So if we've got all this in mind and we're thinking like this, why would we celebrate Christmas when Christmas as a celebration is a very expensive secular ex- celebration? It's become um, a pain in the neck. To be fair, the challenging of what to buy each other, um, challenging on you know how much money someone spent. um It becomes now even a diluted because we say from a PC point of view it belongs to um, everybody regardless of their spiritual faith or understanding because they're not necessarily celebrating the birth of Christ they will be feasting the celebration of um, as a family concept of giving and receiving and and to make it a bit more digestible by the world Um, we have the image Um, given to us of Father Christmas which we have Saint Basil Um, so really why why Christmas why does the church celebrate Christmas why would the church celebrate Christmas
1: Saint Athanasius he says that Christmas is well Christ's incarnation so God becoming human is a most precious gift he says which we cannot hope to recompense so in other words the gift is such a huge 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 gift which expects nothing in return in a sense it's impossible we can't return anything to match what god has done for us you know for example god has gone from here to australia and we've taken one step let's say yeah god has extended himself Across the whole universe, and we've just, we need to just think about him.
0: And for legal reasons, any other countries that are out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Saint Ath- Athanasius, he says that whilst um, he doesn't insist that we accept his gift, he stands at the door and waits. And it is up to us to open the door to allow him in. But this idea of freedom. This is why freedom is such a kind of... It's a touchy subject. We get worked up over freedom of speech and freedom of this and freedom of that. It's because freedom cannot exist without love and love cannot exist without freedom. Love is never forced. And that's why humanity did fall in the end because we use that love, free will, let's say... We call that love free will. We used it for excess and on the passions instead of directing it towards good things.
0: As we hear in the hymns of Christmas how all creation stood still. In the instant that Christ entered creation, um, it stood still. We get an idea of this, those who know the island of Cyprus and you go to the monastery of Gitkoz. You will see that the road that the icon travelled on, all the trees are bent over. The trees are physically bent over for no other reason out of reverence for the icon of the Mother of God that was created as in her true image, passed through. So the road that goes from where it came, where the forest starts, all the trees are bent over. And you just look at it and you think, they must have done that. But you can't do that to all the trees going up to the monastery. But... Um, So you will see that nature that is beneath man in creation because God created the world for us the the same way he made Sabbath for us. He didn't make us for the world or us for Sabbath. Um, Shows that this gives us our courage. What is our true identity, like you said, in freedom? And love has to just be accepted or not accepted. God's God's expectation has no expectations of us in that way he doesn't he'd never let god down he has no expectations there just must be a sorrowful um emotion of all i want to give you is love and you don't accept it and that that kind of patience to wait for it is amazing so then i start thinking really okay i, I very belittled christmas and made it a very secular thing But now I understand why we have the new calendar in the church. Because why did we even change our calendars? The calendar celebrates the saints. It might even unify most of orthodoxy, really, if we kept to the old calendar. Why the new calendar? Because now it makes sense. Because it was a pagan festival. It would have stayed as a pagan festival. It would have been a festival of receiving and giving. and they might have still had father christmas they still would have had their christmas trees and they still would have had all these but you will see that by the new calendar imposed the opportunity for the world to know the truth because this is really what it's all about the truth so we have nativities in schools slowly they're stopping that but it's very rare now that a certain generation will not know the story of the birth of christ wise men you know donkeys uh, uh, mary uh, joseph um, a little baby a manger um, the shepherds at night the innkeeper um, you will see that everyone really has an idea because of this even saint basil that maybe kind of has changed to father christmas you can still have the silhouette or the shadow of whatever the secular world has there's a truth behind it Mm. and what we need to do is obviously in true human nature which is really the ability to be godlike. is we have to see this positive spin on everything we have to take despair out of our lives and be a little bit more courageous a little bit more like don't worry what they think but this is really what it is don't worry about that. This is what it is. To be totally Christian at Christmas, what do you think will give us a total Christian image at Christmas? What gives us? What would give us our true identity at Christmas? Do you think?
1: Might be a simple answer, but going to church.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sounds like family fortunes now, doesn't it? But it's <laughs> given an answer, and it's going to go. Yeah, I wouldn't go, uh uh-uh, because what I would say, actually, is receiving God, which is by going to church, as the gift of love and giving him nothing else back but our obedience. Don't buy one present at Christmas for anyone. We cannot match what you said, Christ coming into the world. Why us as people, as Christ-like, as God-like, are trying to be in competition with God? This is why we really mess up. We're constantly trying to being in competition with God. And the devil encourages us, which is temptation, that we can actually do it. That we are actually better and actually we're going to be fooled and there's no this and he's better for us than him and this is what it is. There's no other thing. We are in competition with God, and because we actually f- fall short, because we have unconditional love, we go into despair, we turn our backs, we become antichrist. we don't want to do anything, we don't listen to anything that the church has to say, or the feasts, or the festivals, or scriptures, or Christ himself. And then we start saying, but you were perfect, because you were God. But Christ did not come as a demigod, He didn't come as God disguised in humanity. He came as a human, embracing God within himself, an amazing difference. He came showing us what we can do by constantly having an obedience um, to the purpose of his suffering, his passion and stuff. So Christmas, you will see that it offers us a little bit more than the fantasies and the romance of um, the imagery of everything. Everything that was there was to show that um, the fulfillment of the Old Testament is very important. Even Joseph being in the icon, um, you know, why a donkey, why even in a manger, even he was embraced by all of his creation, you know, he wasn't. Um, because the wise men found him where? When they went to visit him. How would you mean? where? in the. Where was he when they visited? In the a sta- stable. The wise men. That's the family fortune. Uh, uh. <laughs> if you listen to scripture, they say that he. They went to his house. Because the star came when he was born. They followed it from his birth, not up to his birth, from his birth. The child was guarded by the star and they followed the star. That's why Herod killed the children up to two years old because he was already a year old. That's how long it took them to travel. The wise men did not come to the manger. He wasn't there. He was in his home, in his house. They went to his house. Scripture tells us. That's why it's important then that the church celebrates Christmas, to be able to have it in Scripture, to be able to have it as a dialogue and an explanation, so that us as humanity have an attachment to it. It gives us the DNA of our potential. Um, So it's very important that Everything we do is scriptural based because it, you know, that's where all our information comes from. We don't have to. The icon sometimes makes it like that. The nativity play would do it like that. But uh, a true Orthodox nativity play would be a birth. The shepherds were there at the manger and the animals, and then they would kind of shift into a house. I don't know if it's detached or semi detached or terraced and they would move him to a house, and then the wise men would have found him in the, in the house. That's what Scripture says. To show us that... Um, to give us the humility that God cannot be a subject to study. I know you study theology, but you study really theology to teach it. You don't know God through theology. You know, theology was... the. Um, You didn't become orthodox after you learnt theology. You just wanted to offer maybe your orthodoxy through teaching and giving people the opportunity and embracing the differences that are out there. But you will see that really that um, scripture is important to tell us because they haven't told us from the manger that whole year what he was doing, what nappies he was wearing, what kind of milk he was drinking. um, What, you know, this is... This is not the, the most relevant information. This is where our free will sometimes distracts us. The same way that this pandemic can distract us completely to what God is seeking when he comes. When he went to Sodom and Gomorrah, he didn't really need to find a lot of people to save that city. And he would do the same. I think it was a handful of
1: people, wasn't it? A handful it? of people, yeah.
0: If he comes in his second coming, and imagine if he said, I just need to find one Christian to save the world. Is there truly a Christian here? Now, really? We could say that maybe um, we should argue and say yes. Because where is that evidence? That we still
1: exist and the world is still here.
0: Yeah, but so does temptation, because life's eternal. There's not going to be an extinction in that way. Why do you think well, then we can have that statement to say Christianity still exists?
1: Immediately in my mind, the communion comes into my mind. So the fact that people are communing and you know, God is entering in the world, every liturgy. That
0: doesn't necessarily make us Christian as an identity nowadays, because we will say that that means only Christians who are baptised can receive the body and blood of Christ. But you will see in salvation there will be people in heaven that have never had that, for example, as often as we have it now. They might have it at one stage of their repentance. You don't know how God will work and how he calls everyone, but that's not the identity of... Do baptism then? Baptism is really the which we will come to that actually we have because we're going to do that next week with theophany so we won't touch that now because it's not really so christmas obviously came and god showed us that actually um we can live this hard work this is very hard work to be in this world it's not paradise but we can do it because he came and he did it and he said that with us you have the same resources god said you have exactly the same resources as i am using now if you use the same resources it will be the same for you as well 100 percent that's what 100 percent he did not do any wizardry nothing 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 everything he was doing was in prayer in connection with himself in trinity we can do wondrous things if we're connected with god so what's the encouragement then now that we can say christianity still exists because we know it's not the Priest's example. It's not even the people's example. It's not the committee's example. What example have we got to show that Christians really still exist? The saints. Bravo. And this is one of the biggest criticisms of orthodoxy. Why do we have so many saints and why do we do this? But that's the encouragement. That's the kind of verification that is the thing that says to us this is why the church exists and why we celebrated Christmas to show that actually the church is is functional. It's not a dysfunctional thing. It's not something that is rubbish and not worth being here. It survived so many generations and evolution, and and but has never changed because it's here to give humans their identity and true humanity means you are Christian. And Christian doesn't mean... Um, a following, it means life eternal. And like you said before about Holy Communion, uh, baptism which we will cover next time, it's the fact that yes, God doesn't enter into us, we enter into God which is a much better place. A mm-hmm. you know, much better place. And it says it in baptism, all those who are baptised in Christ are clothed in Christ. You know, it doesn't say everyone baptised in Christ, Christ lives in them, you know, swimming around in our stomachs. No, this is not what it Means, so really, um, Christmas has come to give us the example of obviously we know love and sacrifice and um, and total loyalty. God promised He would never abandon us. He is a good shepherd and He wouldn't lose anyone, and He proved that at Christmas by being born. So what is that greatest example of what then? Starting with H. It's not happiness. It's not Harrods. Humility. Bravo. The greatest thing really of our ability to show that we are totally Christian is to have total humility. Very, difficult, very, very difficult. We find it very difficult in a world full of so many things, so many temptations. Distractions, I will call them. I wouldn't be tempted. That's a wrong word as well. We're not really... We're suggested to because we accept it. You know, I wouldn't be tempted. I'm only tempted because I really don't have heaven in my mind, to tell you the truth. I don't really think of salvation. I don't believe in eternal life to be tempted. God was... Not tempted by the devil when he showed him something. He kind of laughed at him. He said, this is so temporal. What are you talking about? You're showing me cities of gold. (laughs) This ain't going to last. This is nothing. Nothing to what we're going to gain. This is nothing. But because I haven't got something, if I have a passion, I replace it with a virtue. Everything I take away from my life, I have to replace. Because if I leave an emptiness, temptation will try to fill it. So if I... If I get rid of materialism, then I have to be um, uh, live a life of poverty in a way, uh, which doesn't mean I um, live on the streets, but it just means I don't have to have anything more than I need. More than I need. You will go into most people's homes and you will find that they have excess, even if they think they have nothing. We will still have excess, we can still help other people that truly have nothing. You know, you'll be shocked how much stuff we have still. Um, even if you have, you know, because it's the way things are packaged. You know, things come in sixes or twelves. or you know, it might be just be two people and you have even six knives and forks. And you think, well, there's only two of us. Why do we need six? And then you think, well, just in case one gets dirty. But you wash it straight away. Why are you going to leave it? So we can live a certain way. We still live in excess, and I think really um, Christmas has given us this reality to show us that God didn't come disguised as a human, but he came to show us that he truly created us in his image, in the image of the Trinity. He, we truly look, irrelevant if we're a man or a woman, we look like God who created us. It's an amazing thing that he came to give us. He came to give us the reassurance that we can trust him. This was said in the Old Testament, by Old Testament people, by Jews, that we could say eventually maybe crucified him. It wasn't the Jews that crucified him, but we could say it was those that crucified him. It was the non-believers that crucified him. It wasn't just a nation. Um, and, And you will see that it's true. We were created in the image of God. That should be so encouraging. Um, So Christmas exists as a day, as a yearly festival to give us really our DNA, our really, our understanding who our real parent is, which I would say is, is God in Trinity who created us. That is our true parent. I'm definitely not here because my parents had sex. I'm sure they had sex more times than they've got children, I only have one sister. There's only two of us. I'm sure my parents had sex more than two times in their life. So I know I'm here because God has put me here, um, and hopefully we will kind of cover that understanding of our individual purpose as we go kind of further down. Um, is there any, anything we haven't covered, or you think there's something?
1: No, I mean the only point that I've got left was to say that. For the Orthodox, Christmas isn't once a year or twice a year if you count the calendars, but every time we do a liturgy, mm. because it's God being born. I mean, it's probably easier for us to see when we're in the year but for example, when during the liturgy, when we go around for the great entrance, in the proskomedi there's an icon of the birth of Christ, isn't there? And the great entrance is kind of showing the life of Christ into the world. Mm. And then we put it on the altar, where you, you put the gifts on the altar, and the altar represents God being, yeah, well, God Christ sacrifice. being sacrificed. So it's that the liturgy, every liturgy is Christmas, the baptism of Christ, mm-hmm. the crucifixion and the resurrection, every single liturgy.
0: And the gospel readings, the epistle readings will tell us of his life as well, Mm. you know, what's the relevant things, the things he did, the wonders, the healing, the forgiveness, the thing. Um, But we will cover the liturgy, actually, we'll come in at the end of these kind of talks to show us that really if we had respect for ourselves firstly, um, because it's easier to respect ourselves to then be able to love God, you, it sounds really strange. We should love God first. He says to love him truly unconditionally the way he loves us, which is total loyalty and trust. But if we don't understand who we are in a way, then you can't do that with that energy of sincerity. You do it out of pity and saying, but just in case you're real, I feel really some bit worried. Uh, You know, head my bench, you know, like hedge, it's like a hedge fund, you know, put your money here, here, and there, and everywhere, and see what it is. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, people will say. So we will see that, really, that hopefully you will realize that the church doesn't have to have any of the feasts apart from really the liturgy. And we would respect that, we would totally understand that. And not to be in despair when we think that, oh, we never went there, we didn't do this. These are all reminders. We will not lose our life because we didn't go to church on Christmas. We will lose our life because we went to church on Christmas and haven't come out as a Christian. So you will see that really... um, So the kind of... The only thing that really I have to add, which will probably be a bit of... um, A constant reminder, or a constant thing that we're going to be saying, that the the voice of being totally human and the voice of being totally um, Christian would be the the lectionary that will actually spell out no judgment. That a, a, a true human and a true Christian has no judgment in him at all. This is what will save that person. No judgment, having no judgment, will save. Even God does not judge us, and and this is what we really have to. Unfortunately, the great, the biggest distraction is the judgment for ourselves and others constantly. Um, well, thank you, Philip, for coming down today, you, and then. Um, Next week we will um, cover um, the Feast of Theophany.